This is the Gothridge Manor Podcast, a place of conversations and pleasantries. Gaming topics of all types are welcome. Reality is left on the mat outside the door. Any mention of real-world politics or general shitheadedness, you is being eviscerated and fed to the hogs. So come in and join me. I hope you've brought your dice. Hey guys, it's Tim Shorts of Gothridge Manor. That intro goes out to RFED. He likes my spooky voice intros. So there's another one for you, RFED. I might keep that one on the front for a few times. I don't know. I'll give it a try. So I wanted to start out today with a few voicemails from a few listeners. Got a small bunch, but then I want to get into a topic that uh, Ray Otis brings up in one of his voicemails. So the first voicemail, I believe, is from Rich from Cockatrice Nuggets. Hey, Tim, this is Rich from Cockatrice Nuggets. Yeah, uh, I've used the old um, swoop in and save the party from complete disaster uh, many times. Uh, when, uh, Especially when designing an encounter for... Uh, I was playing Adventures League, is the most recent one. And I was designing count- encounters for a random number of players. Sometimes there would be four at my table, sometimes there would be seven. So it was, um, it was always good to have that, uh, oh, and here's six guards from the nearby town swoop in and save your butts. But I also had the opposite problem. So I had, oh, here's four werewolves coming in so they can even up the odds a little bit so that you don't wipe walk straight across this encounter and barely get anything for it. So, uh, just remember it can work both ways and it's fun when it works the other way. Have a good one, man. Talk to you soon. Hey, Rich, thanks for calling in. This time when I used those extra NPCs, they really didn't end up helping the party. Kind of in a peripheral way they kind of did, but not directly. And plus, they, I don't think they would have saved the party, possibly, but they were so low-powered. It was maybe, Basically, they were there maybe to equal them out a little bit and to give the player some hope, and then you take it away. That's the best. Thanks for calling in, Rich. Hey, Tim. Um, sorry, I, I hadn't been checking Anchor for a couple of days. Uh, just had surgery. Um, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. I enjoy doing that work. And i um, happy to have you as a patron. Um, I'm going to be getting out um, some pieces for this month. Uh dead ones you've seen and i'll see if i can get something else going i got a whole bunch of commissions running for um gabor lux from echoes of uh, uh echoes from foam a lot um i'm gonna get a new cast out today yeah that was dennis mccarthy uh so he's an artist that i kind of rely on fairly often he's a, he's a pretty popular artist actually he's got a lot of products underneath his name uh, Blood and Treasure, John Stater's Blood and Treasure, and then also his uh, magazines called Land of Nod. He did work for the Blue Baron, Return of the Blue Baron. I see on here, uh, Gabor Lux's Echoes from, and I'm gonna mess this up. He already said it in his FOMO hot, hot. I think uh, he did work for me for my manor and a couple other adventures. I still haven't released yet. It's kind of in the um, hopper so and i wanted to let you guys know he does he, dennis has a 
Patreon, really, really good one. You know, you can do requests and I've backed Dennis, I think probably close to the start of his uh, Patreon. It's, it's, uh, I think it's just, it's Patreon. It's, if you want to look it up, you can do a search in Patreon, but I think the direct, what it's called is uh, patreon.com slash G-W-Y-T-H-A-I-N-T. So hopefully some of you will go take a look at it because he's definitely worthwhile checking out. And Dennis, thanks for calling in. He's also got a podcast. Go check it out. I've completely forgotten what it's called, but if you put in Dennis McCarthy, uh, you'll find it. And it's Dennis with one N. So now I believe I have another call in from, oh, that's right. I've got a mystery guest, one we haven't heard on the manor before. Yep. I got the same email you did. Oh, that's Tenkar. Just so you know. So I yeah I I I did my quick uh, why you should anchor deal because anchor is the only one that's sponsoring at the moment and with anchor it's ten bucks per thousand so Benny basically it's a penny per listen so I don't I don't see a problem with it anchors like you said needs to make money so they're sponsoring now I'm assuming so they can show other sponsors or advertisers that it's a viable platform you're doing your own read either buy a script or influential script or off the cuff. And uh, I think that you can do that and make it relevant to your podcast. Because it's your read. But time will tell. Hey, I'm, I'm looking at 21 cents right now in the last hour. Woohoo! All right. Later. That was the elusive Eric Tenkar. Yes, he does leave messages and yes i am giving him shit because that's what i do so but thank you eric for calling me in i'm sure you'll make a ton of money maybe or if you enough to go down to your pub and buy some beers there so thanks for calling in there's another one about sponsors i believe it's from cockatrice nuggets there rich fraser i think he just called in actually so i'm going to add him to this conversation also hey tim it's rich from cockatrice nuggets um sponsors on anchor yeah i kind of jumped right on this and i was like hey if i tuck it at the end of my episode it's gonna be there and people are gonna be listening um but uh i didn't uh, i don't i don't tend to read things clearly all the time straight through so uh yeah this they have to listen to the ad that's new to me i'm gonna have to go check this out and maybe start placing them in the middle of my thing like jason did um the one jason did wasn't very intrusive because it wasn't right? It, it wasn't an ad. It was him in his own voice taking 30 seconds to say, Hey man, get on anchor. Uh, so I, uh, I might have to take a listen to mine, see how intrusive it sounds and, uh, just add a quick word from our sponsor in the middle. Um, glad you put this out because Hey, you enlightened my world. So thanks and keep it up. Round two for rich there. Yeah. It took me a while to get the cadence and what I wanted to do for my uh, sponsor reading. I probably did it, I don't know, 30 times. And then I realized I didn't have my microphone even plugged in. Yeah, I did that. And then I did it another 30 times. I kept screwing up distribution because I wanted to say distributes or something. I don't know. I kept on saying it wrong. 
And I kept tripping over that same stupid word over and over again. But I think I got it down now where it's not too long. And I tried to keep it as short as possible. They said they wanted it at least 30 seconds. And I think mine's about 40 or 45. And plus, you guys don't want to hear me talking for for too long. So I wanted to keep it as short as possible. And it should be in this podcast. We'll see. It's kind of strange when I was listening to my own podcast, trying to find it and see what it sounded like within the podcast. It, uh, I couldn't find it. So I don't know. It, it must be working. I'm up to, I think I'm up to a whopping 24 cents. I figure in about 10 years, I'll be able to afford a pizza, give or take the, depending on the inflation of pizza. So, all right. And I think I have one more message and this is from Ray Otis and he's the one who came up with the topic for this evening's uh, podcast. Hey Tim, this is Ray Otis of Plundergrounds. I've been enjoying hearing about your campaign and that's not always the case. Uh, I don't always love hearing about uh, details of people's characters or campaigns, but something about yours really um, attracts me. Um, I think it's very it seems very focused and kind of real to me a little bit when you talk about what your players are doing. I'd like to hear a little bit more about the inspiration for it, what kind of flavor it has. I'm getting a Norse vibe, uh, but if you've done that in a previous podcast, just point me to that and I'll listen to that episode. Otherwise, I'd like to hear just a little bit more about your game world. I think that'd be cool. appreciate your podcast. Keep up the hard work, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Ray. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. We'll listen to other people's gameplays or campaigns i tend to zone out a lot of times when i I listen to them it's not i don't even know how to put this i like listening to them to a point but they're easy to zone out but there's always room a place to find inspiration in in their cast maybe there's an idea in there that i hadn't thought of or or an adventure idea that i could kind of develop and it's nothing even a direct ripoff a lot of times. It's, it's an indirect one where I'm like, oh, he's, you know, he said this, and maybe I was thinking of something else. And it's always the juxtaposition of two different things that makes an interesting idea or an interesting concept. And that's what kind of happens a lot when I listen to, listen to those. Um, and, yeah, so tonight my topic is going to be me talking about my, my – campaign hopefully you guys won't zone out too bad with it i'll I'll try to keep it as brief as i can and uh just like ray asked for influences and how i come about doing what i do so but first off i'm gonna sneak in my sponsors in between these messages and my main thing see how this works Thanks, Ray, for showing interest in my campaign. It's uh, it's a fun campaign. My campaign world is called Kamora Forest. It's kind of like a points of light almost, except there's really very minimal light going on. The main civilized area is called uh, the Hamlet of Houndshead. It's a very small region, very low resources. But the resources that are there are pretty helpful I've shared that map in the past a few times. And then there's a kind of ephemeral kind of village that's off the map called Scorn that uh, has a few more um, resources, but the players don't usually go there. Most of the activity is up north. 
The Camorra Forest himself is a uncivilized area that has ruins from an old civilization that I call the Northmen. So yeah, I it is definitely have a lot of Norse. Um, what do you want to call it? Uh, Norse theme to it, but it's no way, you know, historically accurate. Like take Douglas Cole's dragon heresy. It's nothing like that. I mean, he goes into great detail to, to keep the accuracy. And I, to me, it's, it's there to serve my campaign. It's not there to be historical accurate. Um, and it gives me a really good excuse to put runes all over the place. And it's a forest. I mean, one of the reasons why I pick a forest, I live in Pennsylvania. So there's forests all around. And that's my favorite thing to explore. And, and I always love the idea of like going through the forest, maybe getting point A to point B, and then just finding this structure that you weren't aware that was there. I mean, it just needs to be explored. And that's kind of the way I think of it. One of the... Uh, I guess ongoing themes of it though is I, I, I'll tell you what, I'll give you my, what my inspiration is for it. First of all, thieves world, thieves world anthology affects all my gaming. I mean, it basically set the tone that I like and the stories that I like. And what I like about thieves world, it wasn't always about heroes. It was about everyday people. A lot of the stories featured like a blacksmith and a, uh, fortune teller, husband and wife team. There was a painter that was, they had some of the most interesting stories too. They, they weren't just going to beat everything down with brawn or magic or God power. They just had to, to deal with it, you know, with everyday stuff, which I, you know, I love, I mean, one of the first stories that was, I remember about it was, when they were trying to find his the blacksmith's anvil broke and they had to go find a new anvil i love that kind of stuff that's it's so much fun you know even though it's very kind of ordinary i think it's interesting because ordinary is not to me it's not un, uninteresting i think that kind of thing is 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 gold but in the same theme though i do like to add fantastical elements to the mundane to to enhance it uh when i, I use like a literary uh what did they call it uh, magical realism and one of my favorite authors in that was uh gabriel garcia marquez he, he's the one who did uh, a lot of people know his book uh 100 years of solitude won the Nobel Prize, I think it was back in 1980. But he has a lot of short story collections, and I remember reading about Drowning in Light. I believe that's the the uh, title of the story, and it's about these kids. Parents aren't home, and they get a rowboat up in their apartment, and they're screwing around, pretending that they're basically in water. They're using, thinking the light is water. And then the parents come home at the end of the story and then she they find all the children are dead because they've all drowned and they're 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 acting you know like drowned in the light i mean it was horrific but just a wonderful story and and the reading wise you know horrible scene but in, very cool and i like adding that kind of stuff to my game uh the unexpected to the normal one of my one of my 
things that I like to add a lot of times is that uh, the little history that goes behind things. That's that's what's the nice thing is is having like the Northmen as uh, a background kind of setting. Their civilization kind of is because that's what the players are exploring. Think of it like this. Um, The Yukon Gold Rush where everybody goes up there, tries to stake claim and make their fortune. This is kind of the same thing that's happening at Houndshead. They're – People are exploring these runes and they're bringing back small, you know, small fortunes, big fortunes. So that's really attracting a lot of people, a lot of adventurers. So it's inflating the economy and the area. So basically when players come into it and they want to buy something, I've doubled the prices in the, the manuals right now. So they have to pay, you know, pay a premium price for even the most ordinary objects because, when you've got 10 adventurers wanting to buy six iron spikes, you can have a bidding war of who's going to keep that door open and stuff. So it's a, definitely a seller's market up there. And that's how I add the ordinary into it, you know, the, this, cause that's the kind of thing that would happen, but, but also it draws a lot of folks that are going to be un, unsuccessful. Why there's, there's high reward, there's high risk. So while as many people go out and uh, to explore and get riches, very few of those guys come back successful. And then it also generates a draw for desperate folks because my players have experienced in a kind of patheticness is about the best word I can you know describe their hirelings or their henchmen selection that they can hire at the at the tavern, uh, there are people who are coming there to try to make their fortune and they really don't have much or they're not geared for doing a full-fledged adventure. They go up there and then they find everything so expensive and they don't have any money to buy that. I mean, one, one of the, you know, one of their henchmen had tankard, saw, the, the, the ass end of tankard sawed off and then he sewed them to his shirt to kind of make a makeshift armor. Uh, spearheads that are barely on the pole because if they point it down, it falls off. Uh, helms fashioned, pounded down from cooking pots and different other, you know, d- different ways of trying to create armor and weapons and and kind of almost like, you know, your DCC at beginning zero level stuff. But you, you kind of have that where these folks are just ho- hoping for a chance to make that one big score. But my my campaign is very deadly. It it uh, it's already killed six henchmen, and the last time it killed like two second level henchmen. They weren't low level or meek at all. They were actually pretty potent. Um, so I like to play a deadly game and keep it as much because I, I think without the stakes, I think there has to be risk and. People, things are going to die, especially when you're going into holes with monsters and gold. It's just, you know, if, you, if nobody dies coming out of there, it adds no value. I think if there's a risk to it, the value of what they're doing goes up. Um, so if they can go down into a dungeon or a rune and battle off whatever undead that's down there and, and get that holy trinket that's made of gold to sell, it's going to be worth while more for them because they're struggling even the party's struggling to take to, to uh to keep money in their pockets it's not an easy thing a lot of expenses go into that 
almost kind of like you see those. If, if any of you guys watch those gold shows, like Gold Rush or what's the other one? Um, Bering Sea Gold. There's a few of them. How much money they have to spend just to get the gold? I mean, I, I think about it. It's like they spend like a million dollars on equipment and it's always breaking down and but they still continue to do it and even when they get a bunch of gold it seems like they're just reinvesting into it and that's almost kind of like the atmosphere i've developed in in my campaign and not to mention then you have like you know what the equivalent of big box stores or the adventures guilds coming in and and can put a hurt on some of the businesses and that but it also expand the customer base also Players will have to figure out how to make peace with that. That'll be interesting. Another thing I do with the the um, magic is I keep it what it is. I don't try to hinder it too much. I'm going to do a podcast here in the next couple of days, and it is I, I'm going to discuss about how when I read adventures, and then especially higher level adventures, they tend to want them to nerf usually the magic user, they can't use a spell or this clear can't do this or this spell ability is not being able to use. I hate that shit. You know, just, just play it as is. And that's the way I do it. I let, you know, if you have a, you know, cause some spells can make a, an adventure, this like whole complex adventure that you expect to be very difficult and a real killer dungeon. And then maybe the mage figures out how to, how, or how to use one of his spells in a very creative manner and basically bypass it and get to the end goal without a problem. That's okay. There's no problem with that. That's you should, you should allow players to do that. I think it's fun when they do that kind of stuff. They success for the players is really important, especially if they come up with a good idea. I don't think it's, I think it's, it's bad when GMs, muted too much. I guess if there's a real reason for it, then that's okay. But you want to be careful with doing that. And the other thing I do with my campaign, like I do is I have small, I keep it. I keep uh, a lot of the sites very small. Most of you guys know that I have a Patreon. It's called micro adventures. If you get a chance, go check it out. Cause then you'll be able to see a sample of my micro adventures. They're just short little things, small things, but I find those to be the most effective when I'm gaming. Uh, I don't mind a mega dungeon. Mega dungeons fun, but usually what happened when if I run, like say I grab barrel maze off my shelf and decide to use part of that. Well, I'm only going to use part of it. I don't use the whole thing. I mean, it's there. I can say the whole thing's there, but it's, I'll just use part of it to, uh, use in my campaign and just have the rest of it be kind of like a legend or, or something that's out there. Uh, but I try to keep things in small consumable bites. Um, and I guess the last thing I'll touch on with my campaign at this time is the gods. I like making my own pantheon for gods. And if anybody, any of you out there had uh, got my last manor, manor, I think it's nine. And speaking of, you know, Dennis's art, he did the cover, did a fantastic job. I uh, I developed four clear classes for that. And I like to gear the, the classes, clear classes, to reflect their gods' values. So they'll have different powers or 
maybe a little tweak here and there to make them reflect what their gods wants out of them. Uh, like for the goddess of healing, I give instead I give her a plus one or a, a, a first level cure wounds right from the first level. Uh, the some of the turning abilities just don't chase them away. I find that annoying. So some of the turn abilities, depending on which god it is, actually does damage to the undead. Like I think one of them does one d three points of damage per level. The other thing is I also have like a you know it, can, it freezes the undead, but they have to kind of maintain it and continue to roll. So I have different ways of reflecting the gods in my world, and I think that really helps me enhance the flavor of what I'm doing. Uh, one of my I think one of my favorite aspects of the campaign I run is the seven gods of death. And I just picked that number out of the air, but um, I developed different gods, different gods for different ways that people die. Like, you know, the, the God of disease and death and, and just, just different ones. And I have, and I think um, that makes the world a little bit more dark. Cause my gosh, can you think of a pantheon with seven gods of death? You got to be pretty oriented towards that. Um, but thinking of like, even the the Northmen and everything they're basically the death was just a transitional phase to, you know, whatever next battle that they were going to fight with the gods. So death was a very acceptable and wanted thing. You know, they wanted to die standing, not in their beds. So yeah. So Ray, it's a very long answer to your, to your very short question. Uh, maybe sometime we'll get to run something. I, I, and I always say this, but I, I'm serious about it, is I intend to run some some adventures, maybe some one-offs and maybe like a short adventure, like, you know, a beginning-end kind of adventure for some folks coming up. I uh, just have to always find the time for it. But, uh, again, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, hope you don't find the sponsorships too annoying. Uh, I'm getting a kick out of it so far. So, all right, guys, I'm out. I got to get ready for my game tonight. And I hope I'm rolling better to you, than you guys tonight. And we'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.